0: Good afternoon, everybody. This is Anthony Pudlow, Vice President of Professional Affairs with the Iowa Pharmacy Association. Welcome to today's um, IPA podcast series, The Board of Pharmacy, What, Why, and How. I'm joined here today, actually, not just by myself and one of the members of the Board of Pharmacy, but a new member to the IPA staff, Casey Fisick, who is the Director of Public Affairs for IPA. Um, Casey regularly attends Board of Pharmacy meetings along with myself to ensure um, what kind of issues and questions might arise for the profession um, during the Board of Pharmacy meetings. So moving forward, Casey um, will be joining and really helping conduct many of these podcast series. But outside of that, today we are joined today by Sue Mears, uh, compliance officer with the Board of Pharmacy, to review the um, occurrences and events of uh, today's um, uh, uh, May 23rd live open session of the Board of Pharmacy meeting. So uh, welcome, Sue, to the conversation. And uh, really, just want to maybe open up. I know while it was relatively a short agenda for the board today, there was quite a bit discussed. Um, And I know I think a lot of the discussion focused on um, a lot of notices of adoption and filing that the board um, really looked at. Um, You know, I know the board, when we go into that process, looks at a lot of different things. I don't know, Casey, if you want to just explain a little bit more about that process before we turn it over to Sue to really talk about maybe one or two of those key rules that had a lot of public comment.
1: Sure. Thanks, Anthony. I I think the important distinction here is that there's really two sorts of actions the board takes when these items come before their agenda. And the first would be a proposed notice of intended action. And that means that the board intends to make a change, but that they're soliciting at this point Uh, essentially comments from the public. And so once they receive those comments and they take them into consideration and decide whether or not they want to make changes to the proposed action, then they'll put it on again after they take the first um, action on the agenda and approve uh, the notice of intended action. Then they'll go back on the agenda and and whether they take these considerations in uh, and change these rules or not, then once they come back on the agenda, they'll approve that and that's what's called the proposed adoption and filing and that's after these changes and comments have been received from the public
0: so exactly right and sue then i know um, at the last board meeting there was quite a bit of um, notices of intended action meaning today's meeting had quite a few um, uh, 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 proposed uh, adoption and filing rules so Um, Maybe speaking to one of them, I think one of the big chapters, um, or at least one of the big areas that the board considered was looking at kind of restructuring some of those enhanced services um, or advanced services that pharmacies and pharmacists provide. And it seemed like that area received a lot of public comment. Can you just maybe speak to some of those things that the board heard from that um, original notice and what maybe the rules committee of the board did to make some modifications to those proposals?
2: Sure, yeah, so the rulemaking that you're referring to um, is um, amending Chapter 8 overall. And so if, as you may or uh, may not recall, the legislature um, passed a law, I think it was in 2012, requiring every agency to do a thorough review of all administrative rules every five mm-hmm. years. So um, this rulemaking is in response or um, a product of that overall review of Chapter 8. And so part of the goal of Chapter 8 review was to identify some of those activities that are performed by pharmacists that are not um, required of every pharmacy or that not every pharmacy does. So immunizations, um, um, collaborative practice agreements Mm -hmm. and the like, Um, not every pharmacy does those activities. So the goal was to carve those activities out um, and create a whole new chapter, chapter 39, that. Would then clean up Chapter Eight, kind of narrow the focus of Chapter Eight down to those activities or those minimum standards that are required of every single pharmacy in the state. Um, so that's where Chapter Thirty Nine came about, um, is just moving those pieces over to their own chapter. Um, but you're right, uh, the board received a lot of comments about a lot of the uh, amendments um, being made um, in Chapter Eight, and a lot of what the board looked at was um, clarifying things, reorganizing. Um, and, and just trying to make things simpler uh, for people. Um, we had a lot of comments from the Iowa Osteopathic Medical Association. Um, and for the most part, um, those suggestions were not um, accepted by the rules committee and they certainly considered, um, considered all of them, they always do. Um, so there were five amendments that were changed based on the comments um, and it related to pharmacy personnel registration, Um, information being available in the pharmacy, um, identification um, of staff in the pharmacy, um, relating to storage temperatures, being um, referencing simply USP uh, conditions, um, and then looking at the language related to um, patient practitioner um, relationships, um, and trying to get ahead of, um, or maybe even catch up to, the the whole issue of telemedicine and what constitutes a valid relationship there.
0: But it seems like overall the 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 intent was actually to almost reduce or limit some of those regulations that are in in here. I think in the cleanup process, it just kind of really helped make it very specifically clear, I think, on what the board is expecting and then um, really allowing maybe a pharmacy to adopt their own policy and procedures to carry out um. Some of those areas. So it seemed to me that there was just a lot more, um, a lot more ease in understanding what the board's intent was by creating this kind of this new chapter for optional services that not every pharmacy is required to do.
2: Yeah. There. I don't. There weren't a lot of significant changes to those activities and the rules of those activities. Um, the collaborative practice agreement um, was amended were... um, to. <coughs> To make the language more general, so that as other practitioner boards um, opt to allow such agreements, that we wouldn't have to change the rules again.
0: Um, Yeah, perfect.
1: Yeah, you know, Sue, the other one that caught my attention too, that you received quite a bit of comments on, was the termination relating to the proposed amendments to Chapter Twenty Two. Yeah. Excuse me, Chapter. Yeah, Yeah. it was Twenty Two. Yeah, Can you explain sort of some of the comments you received and why the board decided to go ahead and? not go ahead with that rulemaking?
2: Yes, uh, so the proposed notice of intended action for chapter 22 uh, was to amend the rules that would allow pharmacies to repackage medications um, that have been dispensed by a, a VA pharmacy for patients that reside in a care facility who sometimes need that specialized packaging that the VA pharmacy does not do. Um, so it was out, uh, noticed of, for, public, um, out for public comment and the board did receive a lot of of comments in opposition to the proposed rule. Um, There was a lot of concern that by allowing the practice that that was um, taken to mean that the board would require the practice and that certainly was not the case. Um, And then there were also other um, requests I guess that if the board were going to allow that type of activity or practice that there was a rule specifically that would allow a pharmacy to charge for that service Um, but the board doesn't get into business practices Um, So the rules committee just determined um, and the board agreed today um, that it would be best at this point to terminate the rulemaking and um, just continue to look at the issue down the road and maybe see what other states do um, Mm -hmm. and, and revisit it later.
0: And I would also encourage any listeners if there is concern or question if that practice is allowed um you know if this is something that maybe a waiver is required in your from your practice setting that's something that between ipa and even the board of pharmacy can really assist you in understanding the waiver process if that if any current rules maybe um, are, are not as specific to what might be occurring in your practice so um, welcome that opportunity to work with any any pharmacies out there that have
1: additional questions thanks anthony you, you know sue i hate to make you run through this giant one again because you had uh-huh had quite a long time doing it today, but uh, the proposed notice of intended action, so the board wasn't taking any final action today, but just <clears throat> proposed action relating to chapter three, pharmacy technicians, five, pharmacy support persons, and chapter seven, hospital pharmacy practice. I don't know, you know, it's a fairly long rule. I don't know if there's mm-hmm. anything that stands out as, as significant changes. Uh, you ran it, like I said, you ran through it already today, but yeah. if there's anything you'd like to highlight that you, you think is sort of a little bit more than just clean up or you know, a little more significant uh, change. And really, Sue, this was part of that kind of that five-year
0: process to really primarily look at some of the hospital practice regulations. But, yeah, I'd I'd agree. Which ones out of the – there's quite a laundry list that you explained to the board today. But, yeah, which ones might stand out in your mind?
2: Well, I think um, maybe the biggest thing that might um, be of interest to people is the drugs in the emergency room department and dispensing. Um, So with respect to – an ER department wishing to um, dispense supplies from the ER when the patient has been there. Um, The proposed rule would eliminate the restriction um, of providing drugs when there is a pharmacy um, or is not a pharmacy with 24-hour services within 15 miles. So it would allow um, dispensing um, to an emergency room patient of up to a three-day supply even if there were a pharmacy open across the street. Um, but then, alternatively, um, in an ER, for the facility to have a machine, a dispensing machine, which in the rule has previously, or currently, says INSTiMEDS, um, a proposed um, rule making is to change it to a more generic term, an outpatient point of care automated dispensing system. Um, in order to install that type of machine in an ER, that would still require um, or Prohibit installing and utilizing that type of machine if, uh, unless there is, um, (laughs) say this wrong, if there is um, not 24 hour pharmacy services within 15 miles. So it it keeps that radius in place um, for a a hospital ER to put in the machine. Um, So I think that's one of the bigger. Issues as far as the ER dispensing, and then for records storage, um, it amends the rule to be similar to what the board has done for records requirement storage in other pharmacy practice settings. Um, so that's helpful, I think.
0: But yeah, I think this is one of those areas where there was probably quite a bit of of changes that the board recognized in their five-year review that probably just needed some cleanup and really aligning with other chapters. But I think for us, and this is where obviously the association, we encourage anybody out there listening, to utilize the, the public platform through rules.iowa.gov to submit your own personal comments, or you can email those or, 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 or contact the board with your comments, but also the association um, utilizes that that process to submit comments as well with these rule changes. So. Um, Absolutely. Well, I think at this point, I think the only other thing I really wanted to highlight, and, and I know, Sue, this isn't necessarily something you focused on, but I know during Andrew's report to the board, he also spotlighted quite a bit of work that the board's doing right now. Um, I think a lot of people listening right now are well aware that the, the board has revamped and released a new platform for the PMP um, through the RX Aware platform and some of the new functions with NARCS Care. Um, but also that the board has updated their database for licensure, and for pharmacists specifically, um, that's already functioning, and others that are going through renewal can actually use this new online function. That's something I think the board's been working for years on. Um, But the thing that I know, um, just to be well aware for anybody listening, um, between the Board of Pharmacy as well as IPA, um, the Department of Public Health has really been trying to um, ensure that more patients receive access to naloxone or the opioid reversal agent, um, primarily Narcan. And um, between IPA and the Board, we've uh, Andrew provided an update to the Board of Pharmacy today about um, an interest of the Department of Public Health to conduct a one-day Narcan giveaway day. Um, Knowing that the Board of Pharmacy has worked with IDPH to license them as a wholesaler and that any outpatient or community pharmacy that would be interested in participating could actually receive a small allotment free of charge that then can be um, provided to a patient or a loved one or a person in a position to treat. Um, with free naloxone, um, knowing that sometimes cost is a barrier to receiving that, but all of that would operate through the current statewide standing order that's signed by Dr. Patty Quinless who's the medical director at Public Health. But right now, I would just encourage um, listeners to watch for communications from from the Board of Pharmacy, from IPA, as that date is finalized. It's looking like that's going to be in uh, mid to late June, but there will be a process for pharmacies to um, uh, gain access to those Narcan uh, kits and then provide those to patients that need them. Um, Any pharmacy then that does not utilize all those kits for that one-day giveaway day, if you will, um, the Department of Public Health is going to be asking participating pharmacies to then donate those cases or donate those kits to local law enforcement, EMS, and other services, uh, other emergency services in their community to ensure that uh, people receive access to that. So a very important, I think, initiative that um, is coming forward with the Department of Public Health um, through the Board of Pharmacy and IPA. So continue to watch communications there. Um, outside of that, I think we are all done for today's uh, podcast, and uh, just welcome, uh, or thank you for listening, and uh, we look forward to our next podcast series, which will occur after the open session at the next Board of Pharmacy meeting, which occurs on July 25th. So looking forward to um, everybody listening at that point, and have a wonderful summer. All right? Thank you. Good work. Good work What are you guys to
2: you? doing
1: keeping this pulled up back here? This is... <laughs> I don't know. I think this is, I, I think this is the dental room. Oh, why?